0: This morning in the studio, I have two guests with me, and they are Director of Health Janet Lawrence and Senior Medical Officer Dr. Kamar Tanyan. And uh, they're going to be here to give us a a nice little talk and some updated information following the recent arrival of the Titan Airways Charter Flight. But let's welcome both ladies ladies to the studio first of all, and good morning to Dr. Kamar and Janet. Welcome to The Shine Show on a Thursday morning. Good
1: morning. morning. Thank you for having
0: us. So, um, I think I'll, I'll let it go over to you, but basically it's to talk about uh, some updated arrangements since the arrival of, the, of Monday's charter flight, and uh, there are some new arrangements about testing and, of course, some updated quarantine arrangements. So, let's look at the testing arrangements first of all. I don't know who'd like to start, but over to you, ladies, if you'd like to uh, explain to our listeners uh, what are the updated arrangements for testing on arrival now.
2: Okay, thank you. Um, so, uh, our listeners would know that the previous uh, flight, we trial testing on arrival to see how will that work, how it will be received, and what that means to our resources from human resources and um, testing kits and everything. So, it went very well, and we, um, we used that trial to um, um, review our process and how to make it uh, uh, better for the next run, which, which we did for this, uh, arrival. So the new about this flight regarding testing is that is now mandatory. So, uh, we do test arriva- arrivals, uh, uh, who are coming from the UK to quarantine on the island. So there are still exceptions, um, and the exceptions go for um, people arriving to quarantine from Ascension Island because we consider them low risk as uh, uh, Ascension is still COVID-free. And if there will be any changes in their status with COVID, then we will um, review our process and they will not be exempt from uh, testing on arrival. Um, So the point of testing people on arrival is to reduce the risk. So um, um, Ascension COVID-free, so uh, we don't see that it's really important for now to test them on arrival because we're testing them at the end of quarantine anyway, and they are entering 14 days quarantine. Um, The other exemption is for children under the age of 10 um, because we are assessing their risk because they're coming um, with their families so if someone from the family um, that these kids are traveling with tested positive then we will test the children um, and we're currently in our test not testing um, arrivals who are transiting through St. Uh, because they are in a different facility quarant- uh, quarantining overnight in a different facility so they are not uh, a significant risk uh, for our population Um, So the news about it is that it's now mandatory and second, um, that it went uh, fairly well this time and obviously with every cycle we learn and um, improve our processes
0: and uh just uh, just a little note for our listeners um this is uh just an update it's not really a phone in today so um it's uh, we're just broadcasting some update from the public health uh or from the health directorate's point of view it's not really a phone in show everyone so um Uh, Just have a listen, first of all. Uh, But I would like to just uh, ask you if you could uh, clarify just a little bit. Uh, It's not mandatory for all arrivals. It's just all arrivals from the UK. That's the bit that uh, is quite clear.
2: At the moment.
1: So all arrivals from the UK accepting the transit, pa- accepting the transit passengers um, who only overnight here, as Dr. Kumar um, talked about, and accepting the children aged 10 or under. And we we appreciate that... Um, there's been some consternation I think out there about why wouldn't we test children and um, so let's um, go into that one in a little bit more detail Um, it's very unusual I think people know that my background was originally with the airport, it's very seldom that you see a child travelling on their own they're generally a part of a family unit or they've got a parent or guardian with them Um, so we can reduce the testing requirements because we are already testing their surrounding family members if you're travelling together in that unit, um, then it's likely that's what's the case with the adults will also be the case with the children. And of course, they're not entering the community. They are still going into quarantine for 14 days, and it is still mandatory um, for children to be tested at the end of that 14 days. So the main purpose of testing on arrival is that it helps us plan. Um, It helps us plan well in advance so that if there is somebody who shows up on St. Lena and we discover through that test result that they have COVID-19, then instantly we can tailor... Where they're accommodated, um, we can tailor um, the management of that particular case. Do they have mild symptoms, um, you know, more serious symptoms? Are they asymptomatic um, and just not presenting symptoms at all? That's the benefit of um, doing this. It's not to release people from quarantine any earlier. They still have to do the 14 days because, of course, even if you test negative on arrival, you can still present symptoms up to day 14.
0: Okay, so please forgive my uh, ignorance for being a little dim or probably not listening correctly. Uh, but what you're saying is that uh, when passengers coming up from Ascension Island, because Ascension is quite low risk, um, it's not mandatory for them? That's what test, you're saying? To be tested Correct.
2: On, arrival, arrival. on arrival. It's mandatory to be tested at day 14 yeah. before they leave their quarantine. But not on Mexico. arrival. Yes. So for that's the moment. For the moment. the um, they are coming from a covid free um, island
0: okay and obviously the aircraft that uh, the uk arrivals traveled on obviously that aircraft is fully disinfected and everything before it goes off to ascension to avoid that area of the risk
2: definitely, definitely. absolutely so one element of even uh, reduce further the risk for ascension uh, travelers is the current arrangement of having a separate flight from um, the UK, so now it's uh, the the plane comes straight to Santorini, and then the plane is cleaned, disinfected, flies out the second day. It's a separate flight for essential yeah. travelers,
0: and uh, that also removes some risk as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing that we would like to make quite clear for our listeners: um, these are arrangements following this last flight. Obviously, when the next flight comes in the new year there will be slightly different arrangements to what we have now, or is it generally about the same?
1: So, for the testing regime, it will be it will be the same. So that regardless of where people quarantine, um, if we're talking about the testing regime that, uh, well, let's deal with Ascension Island, that day two flight first because it's the easiest one. Ascension has its own testing regime. Um, As long as that testing regime shows that Ascension Island is clear of COVID, we will consider arrivals from Ascension Island on that second day flight, on that flight that just does um, St. Helena to Ascension and return. We will consider those arrivals to be low risk. They will enter home quarantine because that's been um, the procedure that's been followed for arrivals from Ascension Island for a number of flights now. Yes. Um, and only after quarantine for 14 days, well, they will be tested on day 13 and then. If that test is negative, they can be released on day 14. 14.
0: But they are all tested before leaving Ascension anyway.
1: Absolutely. So we go back to the benefit of, um, uh, well, we Ascension has its own testing regime. So um, some people might have been resident on Ascension for a period, and they would not necessarily have been tested. But all arrivals coming um, to Ascension, Ascension yeah. has its own way of dealing yes, with their I see. own mm. testing and quarantine here so that they know people who are resident there all along um, don't have COVID That's right. and like us, they know that people who are entering the community from arriving on whatever flight whether it's the um, flight from St. Lena or any other flight that goes to Ascension, that they know what the COVID status is of those arrivals so that gives us the confidence that Ascension is um, not reporting um, any COVID cases at this point in time so as long as that continues we will consider arrivals from Ascension Island to be low risk no and they do not then need to be tested again on arrival at St. Helena. They can simply complete their 14-day quarantine period and be tested at the end of that.
0: Okay, um, before being released into the community, in it. other okay. words. yeah.
1: So before we go on to arrivals from the UK, let's go back to the um, basic principle here. Um, quarantine for 14 days is the most essential um, and most effective tool in our toolbox in dealing with COVID. Um, it gives that barrier between somebody arriving to St Helena, we still want people to come to the island, but we also want to protect the island as much as we possibly can. So that 14-day period, which all of the studies worldwide show, is generally the period in which um, the majority of people say, oh, um, will have presented with symptoms um, That enables us to give that barrier. People do not enter the wider community until we know that they are clear of COVID um, on day 14. Okay, so we've talked about how we deal with ascension arrivals who are very low risk. Now arrivals from the UK or people who have traveled via the UK, um, which obviously everybody knows is a country where there are cases of um, COVID-19. So we want to test those people on arrival because it gives the health service the advantage of saying, should somebody show up and they have COVID-19, that at a very early point, that you can actually assess that case and say, this is the best way to manage that case. Um, is treatment at Bradley's Hospital going to be necessary? Um, that's the worst case scenario in the most severe and extreme cases, and um, Is um, treatment at home going to be necessary? Is that person asymptomatic, not presenting any any symptoms at all, Um, in which case they can generally remain where they are, but there's a different regime that they follow. So this is why we test on arrival. Uh, We exempt from those tests people that are transiting St. Helena. So if they arrive from the UK and are just overnighting before going on to Ascension, or if they arrive from Ascension and are just overnighting before going off to the UK, we don't test those groups of passengers. That's because they quarantine separately. They're not posing risk to anybody else in quarantine or anybody else in the um, community. Definitely not a risk to anybody in the community because they still quarantine for that period. So we don't need to use resources on testing those people because they will very shortly be in another um, country. And we know that we are managing their quarantine for the 24 hours that they're here. In the case of the children, which we talked about, but just to um, confirm that again, when they're traveling in the family unit, if you're um, already testing others in their family unit, um, then you have a sense of what's happening with the children as well. And we don't need to put them through additional tests. We don't need to use um, precious resource there. And of course, nobody enters the community until day 14 when they have a negative COVID test result.
0: Including babies. Okay, (laughs) Okay, including babies. So, yes, let's uh, make that quite clear as well. The babies are included in all of this. And uh, obviously, most of your resources then would be spent in those cases you've just described, Janet. Most of the resources will be spent um, on the people who are driving them to the quarantine areas. You know, our local drivers and our local. Uh, Are they well suited and booted? You know, that's the resources I'm talking about, like Mm -hmm. the masks and the kit. I saw someone who was waving to me frantically, but there's no way I would know who it is because they're absolutely almost covered. They're almost fully covered, and uh, that's to protect them, obviously. Tell me a little bit more about the protection for the people that, uh, not necessarily uh, the arrivals that come into us, but those of us who need to go to them on arrival day.
2: Yeah. So, um, additional um, uh, valuable information from testing on arrival is contact tracing. So, that will give us an idea if uh, we need to do a contact tracing. Was this person um, a risk for other people during the process of traveling on the flight or uh, at the airport? So, um, the contact tracing is based on a definition of a contact. So, it's not always that uh, if somebody was close to uh, somebody else that they are automatically a contact the definition of a contact is being within one meter for more than 15 minutes without PPE okay so uh, people who are uh, we have a thorough process of of transport Uh, People who are dealing with luggage, with uh, transport of of people to their quarantine places are actually given PPE. They've been trained on how to safely put on their PPE and take it off, on how to clean their vehicles uh, and how to uh, manage these trips. So uh, they wouldn't, uh, if they follow these rules and we're confident that they do, and we do remind and refresh um, the information that needs to be done with each and every flight, uh, then they wouldn't qualify as a contact.
0: As a contact, yeah. Okay, and uh, a little bit about uh, asymptomatic. Um, they don't have to display symptoms, but obviously the test will reveal if there's a positive reading, even though they're not unwell, but the test will still show a positive reading should there be uh, any ne- you know, necessity to do so. Correct. Okay, Correct, so
2: because we know that asymptomatic people for this particular virus do actually transmit, so the, the do spread the infection, um, and uh, we know also that the virus can be spread two days before the symptoms start, um, and most of the studies because now we have millions of people who have been infected around the world and and. Tens of studies uh, on how the virus transmits, why it's more severe in some people and um, not in others. So uh, we know also that at some point the truly asymptomatic um, does—it's it, very limited number of people, um, even the ones that we discovered through uh, mass testing or testing for contact tracing. At some point, they will show symptoms, but still there is a lower number of people who would be the whole, um, all, all the way along uh, without any symptoms, true asymptomatic, we call them.
0: And uh, obviously, just for the sake of our listeners, asymptomatic is uh, probably, we could say, that's the term, the proper term for carriers what yes. we would call carriers. Yes. yes. Okay, it's just for the benefit of our listeners. Yes. I know a lot of people refer to it as being a carrier at times, and now they'll know um, the information surrounding that so that's about uh, testing it's very interesting and uh, it's mm-hmm. all uh, it all must be carried out under a very strict um, regime with lots of procedures in place and like you said lots of training has obviously had to be given to be sure that everyone uh, knows and covers each single step um, do you, would you say everyone has responded very well to the training given for the testing regime
2: Um, Yes, (laughs) but also I'm pleased to say that we had training and refresher training, um, um, at least for the key people. Um, So we want to keep this refresher trainings um, as well, because that's the most important uh, bit of handling the situation properly. Um, So, yes, that was very well received. And I would like to thank the team who did all the training for Um, The healthcare professionals, the drivers, uh, people who are at Bradley's, uh, dealing with people in quarantine, at the Mantis Hotel, so they all went through a training and they were um, well-receptive for it.
0: Thank you very much. Now, tell us a bit about the uh, quarantine arrangements that's uh, been happening since this uh, last charter flight. Um, I don't know who's going to take the lead, but if you update us on that, please. All right. Looks like it's Janet.
1: I'll start, and Dr. Kumar will um, chip in. Um, So a little bit on the background to this particular flight. So our quarantine procedures haven't really changed. There's been some refinements in the way that we've approached it. After every single flight, we have a debrief, we do any lessons learned, and we tweak um, the um, operating procedures that are applied. What's been different about um, this particular flight has been the sheer number of passengers that we've been um, dealing with. So, for example, if we take Tuesday's flight, which was the flight from Ascension, this time around we had um, 63 pe- um, people from Ascension whose ultimate destination they're staying on St. Helena um, for a while. On the previous flight it was only 17 so if you look at the numbers um, involved there um, for the flight from the um, UK um, with people who were going to end up in St. Lena, who are here at least for that 14 days or beyond, um, we've got, let me see, uh, we've got 39 people in Bradleys, um 18, 19, 20. We've got 23 people in home quarantine. Um, so the regulations at this point in time say that for arrivals from the uk um that bradley's is the place to quarantine uh, we make exceptions in some very specific um cases so the specific cases are um families with children aged 10 and under and that's been in place for a good few flights um now and we do have um a number of families um with children who arrived um on this particular um flight. Um, we also make exceptions on medical um, grounds, whereby we go through and reassess is Bradley's suitable accommodation for somebody who has a particular medical condition. Um, We've recently adopted a rule that all of our returning medical referrals from now on will actually be exempted from quarantine um, at Bradley's. And of course, the family member that's traveling with them, perhaps if they've traveled with a family member or a carer, will also be exempted and will go into um, quarantine with that medical referral um we then have um on this particular instance a bubble um so that's um a, a group of journalists um who are visiting and they are in quarantine um together because they're actually working during their um quarantine period um so in total, um, we have a good. Uh, the majority of our UK arrivals um, are at Bradley's, but we do have some exceptions who are in the community at this time. Uh, to explain the process, it starts at the point at which. Um, People apply to actually have a seat on the charter flights. Um, There's a prioritisation process because we simply can't accommodate all of the number of people wishing to travel from the UK at Bradley's. We simply do not have the capacity at Bradley's to meet all of the requests that we've been receiving. So we have to prioritise. Um, Once um, we've done that prioritization exercise, and I'm only involved in the periphery of that, that I give advice from health director that I'm the link between um, the group that does the prioritization and all of the health officials on that. Um, But once people have been prioritized, um, we then have Christina at the tourist office who writes to them and says, "Um, we'd like to make you an offer of a seat on the flight. Please fill in this um, pre-travel assessment um, form. Now, the assessment form will ask um, the individual. It's more like a checklist. It will ask them all sorts of questions like, have you travelled outside of the UK? Have you travelled abroad recently? We'd very much like to know if people have travelled in the 14 days prior to arriving on St. Helena because that gives us an understanding of um, where they might have travelled to and what the risk level was in that country. Um, So there's stats worldwide on um, infection rates in different countries and that helps us to plan um, that quarantine period, knowing where somebody has travelled to. Um, previously. It helps us to do our risk assessments. We'll ask them about any pre-existing medical conditions, any dietary requirements, um, all of these um, lists of things. is a checklist that we go through. And finally, people have the opportunity to write us a short blurb um, on any concerns that they might want to raise with us or any grounds where they think, hang on, I'm going to struggle at Bradley's because... When that happens, um, if it's a medical condition, then the medical officers will have various pieces of literature. You pick a disease and there's going to be um, NHS guidance, World Health Organization guidance, and the team, um, and Dr Kumar in particular, will go and refer to that. There will be other assessment criteria. There's standard tools um, for looking at mental health and well-being, all sorts of um, all sorts of um, checklists that we run through. But in these circumstances, it really needs to be assessed on a case-by-case basis based on what that individual um, has um, set out. So in addition this time to um, families with children aged 10 or under the standard medical referrals, we have had cause to exempt one or two people um, on medical grants. And this time, it's the first time since I've been in um, health directorate that we've done it, although I'm aware there was one case um, earlier this year. So it shows how exceptional it is. There were um, two cases with extenuating circumstances where we um, said, actually, um, these cases need uh, are going to need ongoing support during that 14-day quarantine period. Um, it was appropriate um, for family um, or loved ones to actually provide that level of support and care so that we didn't have to tie up um, very essential um, workers from the health directorate. Um, so in this case, we've given approval for um, two households where someone already on Ireland has actually entered quarantine with their arriving family members to provide that care and support.
0: Okay, so that's uh, that's a little bit that you've actually come to explain about um, how someone who could be at risk is actually quarantining with someone we know who is no risk, but they all become as one unit. Uh, and obviously the person who's here on St. Helena at no risk uh, is the one that's agreeing to uh, be at risk, so to speak, even though we've already cleared that up with the testing and everything Um they're still going to be uh, agreeing to be part of the quarantine with the arriving family member or whoever it might be.
2: Correct, yeah. So I just wanted to go back on the the form that we ask all arrivals to fill in. So we ask them about, as Janet mentioned, about their particular uh, health condition and we ask them to provide us if they have any disability, if they have any um, um, requirement to mobilise. So we do have a disabled room at Bradley's but sometimes uh, the individual needs are beyond the capacity at Bradley's. Uh, So we do ask these details. And um, um, from the questions also, we ask them if they've been in contact with someone who was suspected or a confirmed case of COVID uh, during their stay in the UK or wherever they are coming from. We do ask them to tell us if they are taking any chronic medications, and if they are sure that they have the 14 days supply for their medication. And if someone comes back saying, "No, I don't have enough for the 14 days," we make sure that we know what medication they are they are on, and we do supply it to uh, Bradley's either on their arrival or prior to their arrival. So um, um, sometimes for sent who do have medical records on, um, or even travellers in general, who do have medical records on our system, so we can make sure that uh, uh, when we do our assessment, is this person can be safely uh, accommodated at Bradley's, um, the medical records give us a clear idea. Sometimes it's not the case. It might be someone who's uh, uh, travelling to the island for the first time, and we don't we don't have um full medical history about them so we do contact this by um on case by case um, um, asking them for medical reports from their treating doctors in um in their countries um and also if they are um who are coming to take up a post on the island, then I receive their medicals for fitness to work, and that includes all sorts of medical history and uh, blood tests and everything. So all this information together gives us all um, a good assessment on whether this person can be safely uh, quarantined at Bradley's or not. And if we, with all these resources, uh, we still have um, any further concerns, we do contact the the person um, directly. Sometimes we, we run a phone consultation uh, to make sure that uh, the person uh, condition will not get worse. If there are qu- quarantine at uh, Bradley's, we know that quarantine is not easy. So uh, uh, not easy at home, not easy at Bradley's. So we want to make sure that prior to arrival, Uh, we have all the safe systems and processes around uh, everyone who is in quarantine
0: yeah and uh, obviously uh, the quarantine whether it's uh, at home or Bradley's it's uh, a, a small price to pay actually for keeping the community safe really so it's in the best benefit for everyone to follow the rules so that the ones they love the most will be the most safe correct Okay, um, just to uh, put it into context for our uh, listeners, um, just hypothetically speaking, um, for myself, just say, I'll use myself as the example. I live alone. Um, my one true love has shown up from overseas and, um, you know, would like to marry me, and it, this is never going to happen, mind you, not with my <laughs> luck, but uh, just say it does. Um, and... All of the testing and uh, all of the tracing that you've done before the arrival um, is looking just the way you would like it, acceptable, and um, it, it agrees with your procedures. Then, of course, um, if, if he has to come into home quarantine with myself, I would also then be under a 14-day quarantine with him. And obviously, uh, that's the bubble that we're going to reside in for the 14 days. So uh, there wouldn't be any chance of it kind of spreading into the wider community because both of us would be... Uh, under home quarantine at the same time, providing, of course, I can be released from work and everything else because there will be another side to it then where the one that they're coming to stay with would have to be exempt from everything else on the island so that we don't go out into the wider community as well. Is that how it would play out?
2: Correct, it is, but currently we we it's still a legal requirement to be in an occupied property. And that's because we know our health system capacity. So uh, the larger number of people in quarantine um, uh, takes more um, resources from us, from the health check, from the testing, from if there is an infection. So currently, besides this very special cases we do stress on, uh, unoccupied, it's actually a uh, legal requirement at the moment. Whether this will change in the future, um, I cannot tell now, but according to our capacity at the moment, uh, we will still stick to unoccupied properties, especially if you uh, the example you used yourself you have an underlying condition or you are a person uh, who would we would expect to have a severe infection if you get um, um, an infection so hopefully all these gray areas will be clearer for us and for our community once we have the vaccine and once we know the proportion of our community that is actually vaccinated and is uh, protected Uh, So it's an ongoing process of reviewing and um, adjusting the procedure based on the information and where we are in the pandemic. Can I just add to that? Sorry, Sharon. No, you, that's, you, are we, we you
0: are.
1: Go ahead. We are you learning. You're absolutely going to hate me for what no, I'm about no, to that's say. All right. So, in your example of your loved one showing up, you know, that he's proposed and you're <laughs> eager to tie the <laughs> knots and all of that. And I do understand that. And it's not dissimilar, believe it or not. So, you've, we've been saying it almost as if it's a joke. But we do get those compassionate cases from time to time. And it's very, very seldom. In fact, it, I'm not sure if there's been any um, case where we've had that. It really is extenuating um, circumstances whereby we would be putting somebody who we know is COVID-free into a situation with somebody who potentially is isn't um, It's happened for you know, believe it or not, the universe um, has thrown up two cases um, on this particular flight where it's had to happen, but again, very, very unusual circumstances. So, if you contacted me and said, My fiance is arriving on that flight, please can I have an exemption to quarantine um, with you? I would very gently be saying to you, Sharon, I'm very sorry. Our general rule is that it must be an unoccupied and, property yeah. to minimize the risk of community. Spread to minimise the risk um, of the number of cases. If he loves you, he will wait. Uh, <laughs> so that's you know that's what I would be telling you. Um, I want to emphasise that the two cases we have, extenuating circumstances with the two people on Ireland who have gone into um, home quarantine, they did it voluntarily and I thank them because it's eased up resource for the health directorate no longer has to provide um, the care and support um, to, um, to those individuals. Their loved ones are doing that. They were there were grounds for, and um, that it was necessary, as was the, um, you know, determination by our proper officers um, when they went through the particular circumstances. Um, so, in volunteering to do that. Um, those two individuals who have voluntarily entered quarantine, they are now bound under Regulation 5 in the um, legislation that governs um, coronavirus. That means that the whole whack, everything that an arrival is normally subject to, all of the conditions around what happens if they breach, the fines, the potential prison sentence, the requirement to adhere to all of the guidance applies to them equally. They must follow the rules just like that Arriving family member or family members have to for the fourteen day
2: period.
0: Yeah, and um, yeah, basically, I used myself just as a hypothetical example, but uh, you don't know. yes. Will anyone come in on the next <laughs> flight? Well, I live in hope, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> we all live in hope. But basically, what I've just described to you in my own little hypothetical example, there are two people like that now, but under approved. Um, Uh, obviously procedures and everything else and they've entered into it like you say um, at the approval of the proper officers and the medical facilities and uh, the medical officials
2: and the risk was explained to them clearly Mm -hmm. and uh, guidance was provided about how to minimize the risk further during quarantine
1: so I think one of the things that the public doesn't get, the public doesn't get to see, the immense amount of work that goes in behind this to actually liaise one on one with every single arrival. Or sometimes we have the benefit that people are travelling in family groups, or it might be couples. But really, we do this case by case. I'm using the rule, we. I mean, my proper officers and the facilitators. They do an immense amount of work using the tools in their toolboxes with all of these. Um, Pre approved criteria to say how you know I now need to use this criteria and assess that individual circumstances against these criteria so that we the SMO can then take a final decision um, is this a recommendation for a Bradley's or for home quarantine? The majority of people do still go to um, Bradley's, but in the interest of every um, arrival's well-being, we actually have to consider their case-by-case circumstance. Now, we've talked so far, and I'm sorry to labour this point, but we've talked about the arrival's personal circumstance. The next part of the puzzle is the property and that circumstance, because we have a... A subset of our proper officers would be the environmental health team, um, who are supported by other proper officers and facilitators. But they actually lead on doing all of the property assessments um, for when we have all of the arrivals from Ascension Island who have to um, home quarantine, as well as these exceptional cases from the UK who have to home quarantine. So we have... First of all, the individual circumstances, are they going to Bradley's or are they going to home quarantine? Then you have the next piece, okay, where exactly are they going to home quarantine? Is it, is it appropriate? And then we have to tailor the advice. We have general guidance, but it's tailored to that specific set of circumstances. So there's... Um, A set of criteria that assesses um, the property. It needs to be unoccupied, that's the very first one, apart from our very exceptional cases. Um, It needs to be um, detached, it needs to have a five metre boundary. And I've said it once already for today, but it's a pity this isn't um, TV. But if Sharon and I stretched our arms, out, uh, we would be two metres distant, um, just about. Uh, that's the guidance on social distancing. We're actually saying to everybody in home quarantine that the boundary should be five metres. So we've um, actually taken an even more cautious approach than the, gu- um, than the UK guidelines say we have to. Um, There's various rules on how you deal with your waste, what happens if you've got pets. All of this stuff is provided as general guidance, and then the proper officers go and tailor it to that particular property and to the circumstances of the individuals. Uh, I take my hat off to every single proper officer and facilitator, um, to everybody uh, at Bradley's. you know, um, all of the people providing services all of the resourcing the transports and um, you know everything that makes all of these processes work because they work extremely hard behind the scenes it's very very challenging um, and uh, the public does not get to see the amount of work that um, happens to make um, to make this all work um, they've been very accommodating particularly for this last flight um, we had last minute changes so for example um, one or two people said actually I'm going to decline um, you know, my plans to travel to St. Helena. And we know how important, how desperate people were to get family members here this time of the year. Um, and there was a waiting list. So we said to the next person on the waiting list, get us your information, ASAP. We will see what we can do. And that's the sort of flexibility. They've been working extremely long hours. They've been immensely professional in applying all of the criteria and the systems and the processes. And I can't thank them enough. The other people I have to say thank you to are actually the people in quarantine, because it is, as you've just said, Sharon, of immense benefit to the community. It is the most essential and effective tool in our toolbox. But what we find at the end of every quarantine period, when you get the feedback from those people in quarantine, it's maybe an uncomfortable thing, but they recognize they're doing it in the interests of the community. And the feedback we generally get, um, you know, 99.9% of people tell us, oh, my gosh, on um, day 40, I am so thankful that I tested negative, I did not want to be the one to bring COVID to St. Helena that, you know, regardless we can manage cases of COVID you know, these are all um, our ways of managing it but there is nevertheless this thing that people feel a moral obligation not to spread um, COVID to St. Helena, particularly those in um, home quarantine um, where they know the perception is that they are bringing an increased risk to the community so we are Uh, Working with people who are fully cooperating with us, um, and that's been of immense benefit. We thank everybody in Bradley's, we thank everybody in Home Quarantine for that level of um, cooperation, for working with our proper officers and facilitators to make it work. I know that there are concerns about what happens when somebody does actually go into home quarantine. Well, the proper officers and facilitators don't forget about them. It doesn't stop at the point where the plane arrives and, you know, we don't get to walk off and have a cup of tea at that point. Um, so there are various assurance measures. Um, first of all, there's the signage, and I think everybody's now becoming aware of the um, friendly posters that are coming um, up around the community. Um, we will have clearly um, marked in properties that are under home quarantine where the delivery point is. And that delivery point generally also marks the five-metre boundary. So nobody from outside should be going beyond that um, five-metre line, and nobody from inside should be stepping out beyond it. Um, Nothing should be coming out of um, quarantine. So if you rapidly need to borrow cash of somebody in um, home quarantine, it's not going to happen. You know, if they've brought you a gift, you're not going to get it until day 14 or 15. Sorry about that. But again, that's the sort of rules that are in place yeah we do daily phone calls to check on welfare we do random spot checks um, we actually take the advice from the community if they have a suspicion that hang on i'm not comfortable comfortable i've seen this person i'm um, in a house with the sign that says they're under home quarantine i think they might be doing something you know um, they were up to their delivery point and Um, You know, um, other people might have been in the area. Um, That's the sort of thing that we go and investigate. We take um, that community policing effort um, very, very seriously. And if people do have concerns, just pick up the phone to the general and police number 22626 off the top of my head um, and say, you know, there's somebody in home quarantine. You know, can you investigate this? Um, It should not come down to that. Uh, we will investigate any circumstance if we need to. We have all of our assurance measures to make sure that these things don't happen. We're trying to do it as a friendly thing because we know the people in home quarantine wanted to work. If there are concerns out there, we'll happily address um, those concerns. You know, don't hesitate to bring um, to bring them forward. Um, we've talked about the friendly assurances. Um, there's also the unfriendly ones and i think everybody's aware of the legislation and that any breach so um people think of breaches as stepping outside of the home quarantine um it's also our view that if you fail to follow any aspect of the guidance that have been provided by the proper officers that you are in breach. And I'm not going to talk through that guidance because it's tailored to individual circumstances. We would be here for forever and a day trying to talk to that. But the point is that if you breach um, any part of that guidance or the guidelines um, then there are severe penalties. Um, There's a £5,000 fine. There's a potential for six months imprisonment. And one of the new things that's come into the legislation recently is that if you have cause to um, think that you have COVID-19 or if you already know that you've got COVID-19 and you breach um, those requirements, the penalties are far more severe. You could be spending a year in prison um, as a result of that. Um, we don't ever want to have to use those tools. I've never even, um, you know, used it as the sticker against, you know, the carrot parts of um, when we're talking to people about um, home quarantine. But nevertheless, they are there. And if we did have a serious breach, then we would um, apply them um, if we needed to. You wouldn't hesitate but,
0: to apply it, yeah.
1: Yeah. But thankfully, what we've seen so far, um, thankfully what we've seen so far, and our experience for. Um, this recent flight, for all of the flights previously, is that, um, certainly since the time I've been with Health Directorate, is that um, people are willing to cooperate. They want this to work. They want to be able to travel to St. um we firmly believe that home quarantine is in the best interest um, of not just of our arrivals, but it is in the interest of the health services response to COVID-19. That it is far more effective for the health directorate to manage cases, which are small numbers in um, a single household, um, than to have to cope with 40-odd people at Bradley's in that confined area. We can manage those isolated cases far more better um, than we can manage that large group um, in, a, in that sole setting. Uh, it's also to the advantage of the arrival. If you're in your own home, sleeping in your own bed, you know, this is what people um, report to us. If you have your telly, if you have all of the things that are, um, you, yeah, know, home the comforts. Home, you know, the yeah. home comforts, even the ability to cook your own meal so that you have some structure to your day and all of that, that has advantages that, you know, people come and talk to us about. And we do understand the benefits. So purely from a health perspective, you know, regardless of any other reason that you might have for home quarantine. We're from the health directorate. We'll only talk about that um, part. But from a health perspective, we really do think that home quarantine and being able to manage isolated cases,
2: those group settings, that that has its advantages. Thank you very much. Especially with with, uh, the reports over and over that at Bradley's, we can't really manage physical distancing as we want to.
0: So yeah, so yeah. If it's a uh, to your advantage, of course, and if it's working, then um, certainly it's a. Uh a pat on the back for yourselves as well. But there is an awful amount of work, like you've described, and that's something I don't think uh, many of us have taken into consideration, uh, that you actually treat uh, each one of the arrivals on a case-by-case basis. And that leads right back to them even being approved to come out to St. Helena uh, in the first place. That's uh, the first barrier they must uh, uh, jump over. So yes, it, it is a, a huge, huge amount of work to go through. Uh, but like we've said, we always uh, believe in the St. Helena community and uh, you know the way we were brought up, always think of someone else before yourself and I think on that basis, uh, most of the St. Helena uh, and the arrivals to St. Helena would want to protect their loved ones and follow everything to the letter. Like you said, leaving out the uh, penalties that have been um, entered into the legislation, leaving that out. The general consensus, I think, for everyone is that um, my loved ones are the ones um, who I'm going to protect in all of this. Okay, so thank you, ladies, for coming along. Um, I'll leave it uh, open to you. We have two minutes left. If there's any other pertinent points that you'd like to raise before uh, you leave the studio, I think you've covered practically everything. Uh, but basically, those in quarantine, that they, they do have their home comforts. They're not actually cut off because they will obviously have a telephone and... Uh, um,
2: And I hope they are listening to us.
0: Yeah, and I hope that they know that they can call you at any time as well if there's any questions or, um, you know, queries or concerns that might come up.
1: There we go. So I suppose the closing point is, I suppose the closing point, sorry, Shannon. I'm I'm just so (laughs) laid back, I'm leaning back too far from this microphone. We have people in Bradley's at this point in time. That's what um, the legislation requires. The majority of our UK arrivals are actually in Bradley's. Um, We know that they are doing their best to adhere to the social distancing rules. Um, We know that they are making the best of challenging um, circumstances, more challenging than if they had their um, home comforts, as we've talked about, with the exceptions from the UK who get to go to home quarantine. This is why... Uh, not so much for their comfort, but again, going back to the point um, from the health directorate, that it is more um, effective for us to um, manage the cases um, in home quarantine, to manage um, isolated pockets, households at a time, rather than a um, a mass gathering yeah. um, at um, Bradley's that we have been advocating um, the home quarantine. We Obviously, that's not a decision for health directorate um, to make. We can only advise from the health perspective, but that is, um, that is our perspective at the moment and the recommendation we have been making. Of course, with COVID, everything is evolving. The situation changes around us. Um, you know, the um, approval of the Pfizer um, vaccine is a game changer and it's just um, one step in the process we can see how the situation is evolving and every single time we learn more and you know we adapt and we adjust and we trying to make it as best as we possibly can and we can only do that again i have to thank the proper officers and facilitators um, and particularly dr kamar because she's uh, working flat out to, um, to deliver this service um, because they're the ones that are actually making it work
0: Yeah, and um, I think it's only fair to thank you as well from, uh, you know, from the community's perspective. And uh, a big thanks for especially for coming in to share the health directorate's perspective on everything. And hopefully that'll uh, clear everything up in everybody's minds. And of course, they all know that they can call you if they have uh, any further queries. But hopefully you've laid it all out and I hope it's quite clear for our listeners. And I do thank you for coming in to share all of that information with us today.
2: Thank you, Sharon. But also we're planning to have more talks and we're planning to keep communicating um, any changes and address any concerns with our community because we are in a special place that as a doctor, um, our patients are actually, we have different relationship with our patients. They are our neighbors. They are People we deal with at the shops, there are the people we deal with at the bank. So it's a very special relationship. Doctor, patient, or healthcare worker, nurses, everybody at the hospital and in the community, uh, we do have different relationship from other healthcare workers around the world. So we we have additional um, um, moral obligation towards our community.
0: Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Kumar and Janet. Thanks for coming into Saint FM and explaining everything. And uh, certainly uh, we wish you well with uh, the ongoing hard work. And of course, I know there must be lots more ahead of you. But uh, certainly um, my best wishes to you all. And Thank thanks you. for coming in again.
2: Thank you. Thank you.